This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Now more with Sandy Clough and Sean Drotar. Presented by Burnham Law. Hire the winner at BurnhamLaw.com. This is Sandy and Sean on Mile High Sports. You know, new show. Same, maybe same show, new place. Well, so I sort of do. I mean, I was just talking about, you know, taking some points on things like that. Something we were uh, now liberated to do. Yes. But uh doesn't mean that we don't like associating with the same people that we like associating with because, you know. There's a reason we want their opinion. And one of those is our old friend, Justin Adams. Of course, you can uh, uh, follow Justin over on social media if you haven't been able to uh, catch him of late. And I don't know how you haven't because he's everywhere. Justin Adams, TV reporter and anchor over at CBS News Colorado. And and uh, I, I, only, I only say old friend in, in so much as uh, we've known you for a while. We go back. It's nice to talk to you, Justin. Thanks for joining us over here on My Life Sports. Uh, you know Guys, it's a pleasure to be able to speak to you again, and I'm so happy that you're back on the air. And let me say this for our audience. It's about damn time you're back on the radio. So excited to hear from you guys again. Well, Justin, that's my fault more than it is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> more than it is Sean's fault uh, or uh, Mile High Sports' fault. Uh, uh, you know, I did, the way I put it the other day, we were just interrupted for six months. Yeah, you guys were taking a break. That's all. You guys were just taking a break. You, you know what? You needed an off season, right? I mean, because apparently <laughs> yeah, very long never, off season. Yeah, yeah, well, apparently there was never an off season. So you guys finally have that off season. So you're right back on track, ready to roll. Looking, yeah, at, I caught that. I caught that. Yeah, yeah, that? yeah. I did. I, I, I caught it. The very, very, very subtle there. Look at him, very good. professional. <laughs> uh, and of course, Justin, uh, as as many of you know, uh, you know, played tight end up at the University of Colorado. Great, great football minds. We love having him on as well as as another local uh, native guy uh, like me. So yeah, that that sort of identity with the the town and the Broncos, we didn't see a worse disconnect between what Broncos fans expected and what Broncos fans got last year. At least I can recall in my lifetime, Justin. I'm curious if you thought the same. No, it was the exact same way. And it's kind of like going into a season where you expect your team to be a 90-win team, and then your team wins like 60-some-odd games. We were talking about the Broncos, not the Rockies, right? I mean, it really was the way that it felt last year, that you were watching the Rockies rather than watching the Broncos of what we expected this team to to the point where in the second game of the season, my son has a chance to learn how to count from 10 to 1 because you can't get a play-in on time. I mean, when you go to the first game of the season... Count you're backwards, yeah. It's a yeah, useful exercise. Yeah, I mean, you look at a 64-yard field goal. I mean, from the beginning, <laughs> we all knew that it was bad, right? I mean, well, here's another one. It's the things that, as journalists, we all should have known, but we didn't really say too much because we're like, hey, we'll wait for it to you know, see how it all works out. When you go into training camp saying we're only going to hit five times in training camp practice, and that's just because we want to make sure that everybody's healthy, 
And then you get into the season, and you have the most guys in the NFL on injured reserve. You knew that it was going to be a terrible season. That's, that's exactly what we got. And wasn't there a point uh, at, at some stage in which they stopped hitting during the season in practice, yes. that they weren't hitting at all? Uh, by the end, but I know by November, December, they weren't hitting at all. Maybe it had something to do with the injuries, but they were spending zero time. And what what are you allowed? Something like fourteen? Yeah, it's not many. And padded practices yeah. during the season. I, right. I don't think they came close to hitting fourteen. But that's why it explains a lot of the signings as well, especially with Sean Payton. And I know we're going to talk about uh, some of the free agent signings, but it makes a lot of sense because this team was punished up front. We could talk about the issues with Russell Wilson, and we could talk about you know all the other issues. Maybe Jerry Judy was able to go and blossom really at the last couple of games of the year. But the reality was, is this team was beat up. They were physically manhandled up front, which is one of the reasons why they made the the moves that they did. Hey, with respect to Judy, since you brought him up, mm-hmm. reports are that he's on the trading block. Uh, then there was a report today that he won't be traded, which seems sensible enough to me. As you look at Jerry Judy, do you look, putting your football analyst cap on, mm-hmm. more at the last six games of last year in which he appeared to be a legitimate number one receiver in terms of his production over that six-game stretch, or do you still look at the 35 games that preceded it, which involved a lot of injury, uh, barely a 50% reception rate. Uh, Which of those two things represent the core of your evaluation on Jerry Judy? My evaluation of the last six games, and the main reason why is because he finally has a quarterback, the same quarterback going to the next year. He didn't have that previously. He didn't have that with Teddy Bridgewater. He didn't have that when you're getting the ball from Drew Locke. You're finally having back-to-back seasons from Russell Wilson, and he finally settled into. And, guys, let's just be honest. I mean, when you look at Cortland Sutton, after his ACL tear, he hasn't been the same guy. And you're looking around on offense and saying, who is that explosive receiver? Who is that explosive guy that you could go and get the football to? Here comes Jerry Judy in the last six games that played – very, very well. And I believe what against the Chiefs, he had three touchdown catches. It just shows that this is the type of player that this guy can be. And when you finally get him the football in rhythm, he can actually do some things offensively as well. So I really look at him and say, hey, this is a guy that we like to see in the last six games. But now the expectation is this going into this season. You must be this guy for 17 games, not 16, not 12. You need to be that guy for 17 seasons because they draft you as number one pick. There were only so many Denver Broncos, I think, that actually though ended the season with it with an upward <laughs> swing. And and Jerry Judy was one of them, obviously. So that the at least, you know, if some of the reports are are, are true from Mike Cliss and others that the Broncos are not going to trade one of those receivers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't think trading personally Cortland Sutton would be a big difference maker, but I think trading Jerry Judy at uh, basically the best point he's ever played in his career seems a little short-sighted. But looking at the rest of those additions, we know about Ben Powers now replacing Dalton Reisner, Mike McGlinchey replacing the merry-go-round of guys at right tackle over the last decade. Filling and, a black yeah. hole. Yeah, exactly. Uh, stepping into a completely open spotlight. Uh, you also saw them bring over uh, the fullback from the Chiefs. This looks like a team, knowing the way that Sean Payton likes to play, 
that is about to run a lot of two tight end sets and heavy personnel, how do you think that will work with Russell Wilson, not only as as a person, because we know he bristled at that sort of approach in Seattle, but how do you think it would benefit him? If you were Sean Payton and you're selling this pitch of playing more heavy personnel, more run forward, more short and targeted passing, how do you sell that to a Russell Wilson? I sit him down and I say, hey, Russ, do you want to get sacked as many times as you did last year? Because you were the most sacked quarterback other than Justin Fields last year. Do you want that to happen again? Of course you don't want that to happen. Oh, by the way, do you want a clean pocket where you don't have to move your feet around a whole lot and wonder where the football is going? And, oh, by the way, have somebody being pushed into your lap so you can't see over the line and throw the football where you want to go? That's the main reason why they got these guys, was because when you run the football, you set up the action passes. And that's really what Russ does very well. And we saw that at Seattle. We didn't see that a lot last year because, well, he wanted to cook, and that really wasn't exactly what he really should have been doing. Sometimes you have to tell Chef ID to go and put away the hat and let somebody else cook for him. But the reality is this, is that if Russ wants to play playoff-winning football and get back to the postseason, it will start with a very nice running game which will allow him to be able to go and throw the football off of play-action passes and being able to roll out the pocket. That's when he's really successful. So he went in, he's lost a couple of pounds, and he's going to look different as a quarterback, and it's going to be a different system as well. And you know what? It's really going to help this team, help out Cortland Sutton, help out Jerry Judy, help out the rest of this roster to be able to succeed on Sundays. I understand on offense that they did, uh, as Sean mentioned, bring in a fullback. Uh, also a blocking tight end. Right. But Man- yeah, among Manning. the three signings that we took most notice of, which of the three, for whatever reason, did you like the best? McGlinchey, Powers, or Pirine? I want Powers. Powers, man. Me too. You Me know, too. It, it, here's the thing. When was the last time that the Broncos have had a, a team where you looked and said, oh, this team is going to run the football? They were dick happens to the defense and it's not by the passing game they're going to dictate on the ground what is going to happen in the game it hasn't been that way in a long time and to me that's one of the main reasons why they haven't been to the postseason in the last seven years was because they didn't have that type of roster now you finally do and i get it you had to overpay for ben powers you had to overpay for mike mcglinchey who is really good at the run game not the best as a pass protector but he is not at, no. you know but at least if you are able to beat up some guys in the run game then you don't have a lot of third down and long situations you have third down and medium and that gives you a lot of opportunities to be able to protect russ um, with your play calling as well so to me ben powers is where everything starts he allows the guys like samaj p ryan to be able to run the football well whatever javante williams comes back he allows him to be able to go and do what he does best but I foresee this team going into the draft and getting themselves another running back. You can really get you a great running back. Well, not a great running back, but a very, very good running back in the draft. And when you have a really good offensive line and you're able to go dictate what happens on defense, and it helps out Russell Wilson all the way. Are there any losses that the Broncos have taken in free agency? Obviously, Draymond Jones, the most notable. Calvin Anderson, uh, who notably a better player on the left side. Garrett Bowles mm-hmm. ended up blocking that. He moves on to the Patriots, pretty savvy move by the Patriots there, I think. But is there any free agent loss that the Denver Broncos have suffered that you're concerned about? Anderson and also say Draymond Jones. And I'm with you with Calvin Anderson because you always need that swing tackle. You just need that depth. And you could have got him for cheap. The Broncos and it's a new coaching staff. But anytime you have somebody who does have starting experience, 
especially on an offensive line that has guys that are coming back from injury, that's probably somebody that you want to keep around at least for a game or two to really help you out from a depth perspective. Are going to miss Calvin Anderson and then Draymond Jones. Look, I understand what you got with Zach Allen and how you feel about that, right? He's the guy who um, has the second most run stops last year. Um, but at the same time, Draymond Jones understands this team. He understands what needs to happen defensively for this team to be successful. And goodness gracious, he's just a really good football player. And some of those part of the year, like who didn't get injured for this team? If he played the full year, his numbers would have been a lot. Seen it? Haven't seen that much so far from. I mean, me personally from Zach Allen. But again, this is a brand new defensive coordinator, brand new, um, you know, head coach, and we'll see exactly how everything will work out. We often bring you on, uh, actually, for many reasons, but to break ties when Sean and I <laughs> disagree. And you brought up Tremont Jones, and I'm sensing. The reason I'm asking the question, and Sean is not, I'm sensing that you are more in agreement with me, um, however mild the disagreement may be, that Jones is a better pass rusher than Allen, therefore represents a bigger loss than Allen would represent a gain for the Broncos. Am I accurately capturing your position on this? Yeah, definitely, because the Broncos only had 34 sacks last year. By the way, the Philadelphia Eagles, who I get it, right? They had, you know, the third most sacks in NFL history. I get that. About 70-plus sacks last year in the end of the And when you watch the games, where was the pass rush? Where did that come from, especially after you traded Bradley, uh, Bradley Chubb? So, no, you need all the pass rushes you can get. Um, everybody talks about wanting that. Well, this team doesn't have a NASCAR package. They have a Nissan package right now. And I'll tell you what, if you have a Nissan and you don't have NASCAR, you're not going to get to the quarterback a lot. Oh, I don't know. That's going to play for certain sponsors, but that's good. He's Justin Adams. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at Justin Adams TV, CBS News Colorado, with the anchors there uh, and the ability to serve that up on the fly so you know you want to watch him. It's great to talk to you, my friend. Uh, look forward to doing this more and more. Always a pleasure, my friends. I will talk to you soon, Sean. All right, thanks, Justin Adams, joining us. Uh, ooh, he's not wrong. Great line. He's on a package. Not a NASCAR package. Yikes! Uh, you and, know, you look but at he's, the he's exactly line. right. T- tell me, and I, I know we need to break here in a minute. DJ Jones is on the nose. Correct. Right. We know that, and we know that's not going to change. And probably, probably, Mike Purcell will be back because they haven't done anything with him yet right so i'm assuming that peyton kind of sort of likes him then you've got Allen, who is obviously going to play but i'm not sure how excited it makes me that with respect to the defensive line their next moves are to develop wazarike a fourth round draft choice mm-hmm. and henningson a sixth round draft choice possibly right that doesn't thrill me to me, there are questions on the edge for the Broncos. You've addressed, and I agree with you completely, the question mark at center. I think in the defensive secondary, generally, they need more depth. They may need a brand-new safety if Kareem Jackson is not brought back. Well, P.J. Locke did rejoin the team, is is going to be back. We Caden Stearns, who I think and looks I know like they a just future brought in starter. The quarterback. And they just brought in a quarterback today. They brought in Trey Smith. 
So I think you got more depth there. That's kind of the your Ronald Darby replacement. Uh, I personally think in the safety spot, I think Caden Stearns is, is, to me, and I know the injuries derailed it, but I, I liked him coming in. I liked the way he played his rookie year. I'm, I was disappointed the injuries kind of derailed that year. Caden Stearns, to me, looks like an NFL starter. Now, is he, is he Justin Simmons? No. But I think it looks like a guy that could run along Justin Simmons very nicely indeed. But, yeah, there, there's a few things they are going to have to address there, but it still feels for this team that they have to deal with the the meat and potatoes. You know, you, you could dance around it all you want. You can scheme any way you want, but in the end, I've said it before, Football hasn't changed. It's one at the line of scrimmage. I line up my big guys. You line up your big guys. And by and large, the team that does the better job pushing the other one around tends to win the football game. And were I the Broncos, I would be investing on both of those lines heavily for the rest of free agency and the draft because you not only need more depth, you need more versatility. I agree. Uh, But... As we said on Monday, and we can say again on Friday, they have five draft picks. Right. Things stand at the present time. And if they're not, they're not trading wide high. receivers, where are they going to get additional they're draft not, picks? They're not. I mean, trade down. You can trade down and collect I them. I guess. And, and, and collect extra picks that way. But all the picks they have right now are, I believe, between 67 and 195. So they have no picks after the 195th overall selection, and they have no picks among the first 66 selections in the draft. Not one. Now, one pick they gave away that they had as a result of the Chubb deal for Sean Payton, and, of course, the first-round pick is going to Seattle, and the second-round pick is going to Seattle in the Russell Wilson deal. And they could have anticipated this. I don't mind giving up the draft picks for Sean Payton. And the central question continues to be, um, you know, you're living with draft picks that you've given up for Russell Wilson. Can Sean Payton straighten Russell Wilson? And I, I know that's not the only question it's as not, we discussed. But it, it is the biggest with Justin just a few this minutes is, ago. This is your highest paid still player. The big question it is, it is, is a quarterback league. It, it is. It is. This is this team. If Russell Wilson cannot look like the Russell Wilson that he did a couple years ago, the Denver Broncos are not going to the playoffs. End of story. And it Jerry Stidham ain't taking him there. Justin is more on your side when it comes to Wilson that he's salvageable. I think he is. I'm not sure he is. At least if I define salvageable as a return to the form he demonstrated um, in 2022. The drop-off. Let, 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 so, or 2021 rather than 2020. Yeah, that drop-off was precipitous. And that's the biggest concern is that it wasn't it wasn't a subpar year. It was a disastrous year. And sometimes when things go wrong, it becomes hard to disassemble. Was some of it Nathaniel Hackett? Obviously, yes. Was some of it the inexperience of Nathaniel Hackett's staff? Also, yes. Oh, it's was one of those all of the above e- Everything. Things. And so trying to separate out exactly how much attention needs to go to which part is really tricky. And that's something that Sean Payton is uh, trying to decide as we speak because make no mistake, uh, despite George Payton's role in the organization, this is Sean Payton's show. 
no doubt. That's what he's paid to do. Come in and run the football organization for the Denver Broncos. He is the head of the football operation. That is exactly the plan. So, At this time last year, it was George Payton, even after the hiring of Nathaniel Hackett, because Nathaniel Hackett, very much like Vic Fangio, wanted nothing to do with personnel matters. Well, much to his change rather chagrin, quickly. I imagine, <laughs> yeah, looking I back so. on it. And um, with Vic Fangio, I don't think Vic Fangio, regardless of his position, will ever care about anything but defense and defensive personnel. Sandy, some interesting uh, news was released during the program. Here, Adrian Rojanowski, of course, uh, you know, used to actually work in these parts before he came big at ESPN, has some very intriguing numbers about the league revenue sharing. And by intriguing, I mean they involve the Denver Nuggets. And by involve, I mean in a big way. We'll tell you about it next on My High Sports. Now more with Sandy Clough and Sean Drotar. Presented by Burnham Wall. Hire the winner at BurnhamWall.com. This is Sandy and Sean on Mile High Sports. During the program, Adrian Rosnarowski, former long time, uh, long time ago. You kind of forget this, but uh, if you're wondering where the talent comes out of Denver, the pipeline's been... Uh, Rather deep. Adrian, of course, oh, used to I'm, cover. I'm, I'm going to leave people out. Dan Welcome, my friend from USA Today. Chris yep. Fowler, ESPN. Ed Warder, mm-hmm. ESPN. Yes. And I know I'm leaving people out. Oh, uh, I mean. Adam Schefter. Wojcicki's one. Adam Schefter, of course. And, uh, oh, and by the way, a, a welcome back to uh, Chris Thomason, who used to cover the Nuggets for a very long time, was out uh, in St. Paul coming yes. back uh, to Denver to work with the uh, Woody Page over at the Gazette. Chris Thomason's going Wonderful. to be back on the Wonderful. Nuggets. So good to Chris see him back. Guy. We'll get Chris as, as well. Yeah, Chris, uh, Chris uh, had a reporter. great, great to have story him back last year. Bob Kravitz, one of the, yeah. I, I think, was one of the best Absolutely. writers in America. Absolutely. Tremendous, Terrific tremendous talents. talent in uh, Denver that's come through. When I think of Chris Thomason, I think of a story that ran uh, out of uh, St. Paul last year. Uh, within the first month, six weeks of the season, where uh, Chris got a hold of John Elway, who seems to be the consultant who is not consulted, and John mentioned that uh, his preference when it came to the hiring of a new head coach previous January was, in fact, Kevin O'Connell over Nathaniel Hackett. He was more impressed with O'Connell, which was... uh, Convenient to say at the time, but nonetheless, it was also my pick, I assume for whatever that was worth. Quite true. I'm, I'm very sure that John Elway probably did prefer Kevin O'Connell, who was uh, uh, definitely one of the most successful coaches in the NFL last year. And along with Brian Dable, I think those two stood out. They faced each other once in the regular season, once in the playoffs as uh, unless I'm forgetting someone obvious the most successful of the first-time, first-year head coaches. I, which shows that it yeah, can be done. Sure it can. It can be done, although the Broncos had no luck with McDaniels, Joseph, 
Fangio or Hackett. And Vance Joseph, of course, is is back. Uh, He is. Not as as, as, as he would say. He's back. He's back. (laughs) The interesting news from Adrian Wojnarowski, though. Apparently, Draymond Jones is not impressed uh, by the hiring. He didn't seem to love that hiring. He didn't seem to love it, and he's off to Seattle. Now, uh, Draymond Jones never played for Vance Joseph, uh, but uh, Josie Jewell did, and he's still here. Yep. And Justin Justin Simmons Simmons did, and he's obviously still here. And uh, Zach Allen is here, who played for Vance Joseph for four years in Arizona. So I I said this the other day, but a good line is always worth repeating, right? Mm -hmm. Vance Joseph has more authority over personnel decisions now as defensive coordinator than he ever did when he was there. Very well may. It certainly seems like it. It certainly seems as if uh, Sean Payton not only brought Vance Joseph in, uh, but committed to that. I I mean, I think that basically swapping out Draymond Jones for Zach Allen is a statement that Peyton believes in what Joseph did and believes he wants to build on it, which is, which is really intriguing. And the way that the Broncos are going to go under construction, I think in that regard becomes fascinating over uh, on the NBA side, Adrian Wojnarowski over at ESPN just about eh, half hour ago released information for the 21, 22 season for the NBA. The NBA has a revenue sharing part of its operation. Of course, 20 teams, split $404.1 million in revenue sharing for the 21-22 season. The Denver Nuggets are not only one of those 20 teams, despite being, I have to say, pretty successful last year. They had the most in revenue sharing, Sandy, the most. Denver received $35.5 million in revenue sharing, Portland $32 million, Charlotte $31.6, Sacramento $29.9 New Orleans, 28.9. Memphis, 28. San Antonio, 26.3. Minnesota, 25.6. Mid-market teams, for the most part. Although, actually, out of all of those those places that we listed, Denver is actually ahead of most of those teams, okay. cities in media market size. Right. But why would they need revenue sharing? Well, part of the way that works is when you don't have a, the... A lot of this stuff is a way to fill in the gap from a television contract, right? Because you understand, like, if you're the Lakers, you're not going to ever have a problem with a television contract with a ridiculous sum of money. But perhaps if you're Sacramento or Orlando, teams on that list, you might. Denver's had a tough time with its television contract, but some of it seems to be its own making, potentially, or at least has a, has is a factor in it. And... The fact that Denver received the most money in revenue sharing, that's kind of a hard number to ignore. It's I, a very hard. I, I mean, I'm, I was, to ignore, I'm I was pretty surprised the to hear aren't it. going broke. De- I'm, no, they're I'm, definitely I'm not. Thrilled with that. Their other, the other, their partners are giving them a little extra. That's so. The that that's, Boy, that, that news sort of changes the, most, the dynamic. Doesn't I, I know it? the topics aren't related, but you, you're getting the most in revenue sharing, as you just pointed out, mm-hmm. and you have the best player in the world the last three years. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to have to do more than just win 47 out of their first 70 games, as they have this year. They'll have to do more than that for all those advantages. <laughs> that's that and that's kind of the funny part. Is is you're right when you talk about this. It is. Sort of like saying advantages. I mean, the, the the Nuggets have actual 
advantages tangible here. advantages tangible and tangible things you know money it comes in i mean just kind of extraordinary here and i i think that that news it will be interesting to see how that gets digested across town because obviously we know that the now going into literal years of the standoff between altitude and comcast which is the biggest provider of cable services in the denver metro area has been one where, you know, you can, I look at it, and you, I, I look at the sort of the Shakespearean pox on both of your houses. Fans don't care. Fans just want to see the game. They don't care whose fault it is. They don't care if it's more on Comcast or more on Just can, can we see the games? And I do wonder if we're at an inflection point, because over in baseball this spring, with the Substantial news about the the regional sports networks, absolutely from Sinclair under branded Very under the Bally name that are going under. Yes, flat going out broke. going under. They are going broke. now. Colorado Rockies may end up being affected by that as soon as the end of this month. Could be as of March thirty first. Could very well be that we will not see the Colorado Rockies on TV, which uh, I understand. Provokes a variety of uh, possible one-liners. A lot of one-liners. Uh, That's true. But um, <laughs> but it's bad not to it, be able to have an outlet to see your home and, and, team. And probably, to be honest, more so with baseball because there are more games. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's that's that's a good point. I mean, it, this is such a weird stage we're in because, yeah, you know, there's... I mean, the, the thing about the Nuggets and the Avalanche, very quickly, yeah. is that... They're both outstanding teams, good enough to appear on national television many times. Oh, absolutely. So we do get to see them on national TV more than most fans get to see their teams outside of the Los Angeles market, which the Clippers and or the Lakers are on all the time. Just fascinating stuff. And and, uh, and we'll, we'll bounce around a little this segment, but I do want to touch also on that, the report by Mike Kliss. And, and he tweeted earlier today, and I'll just read it to you verbatim. Quote, while lots of teams have called on Broncos wide receivers, Judy, Sutton, including some have been aggressive, it doesn't appear that Denver is interested in moving them per source. Judy emerged at the end of the season, and there's hope Sutton will return to 2019 form. There's optimism throughout the football side that both will thrive under one of the game's best play callers. Now, we both know Mike. We both know that Mike has sources. We know those sources are rather highly placed in the Denver Broncos organization. They didn't just change their mind about, ah, oh, we really don't want to trade them. They didn't get what they wanted. The offers aren't anywhere near what they wanted to make the well, trade. Well, they let's, asked for the sun, the moon, and the stars. Let's, let's be honest about what it. that is. They, and, and we explained the other yes, day literally you were not this. going to get a first or a second for Sutton, and you were not going you to might get a not first, even get a first for Judy. If you were, it was going to be the very tail end, and it probably required you giving a pick back as well. So you're not going to get first. And we knew that coming in. And... My guess is this is the kind of spin that happens at this time of year that, you know, word got out that those receivers are being shopped and the Broncos didn't get what they wanted from anybody. And, and obviously, even this far up in the draft realized we're not going to get first rounders at all. So we're just going to pull the plug on this and then we'll try to get ahead of it and say, oh, well, yeah, teams called because our guys were super in demand, but we just know under Sean Payton they're going to blow up. Look. That's not what happened, okay? They've been shopping them. They did. They tried to shop Sutton first. Sutton in particular. They tried to shop Sutton, Sutton first. When it became obvious that Sutton was not going to get them anywhere near 
what they got. As we pointed out, Darren Waller, I know Darren Waller's had injury situation, but so is Cortland Sutton. Darren Waller is, has been, over the course of his career, a much more impactful receiver than Cortland no Sutton. No comparison. And he got a third rounder. Right. Cortland Sutton, Sutton was probably getting fourth, fifth round in return. I, I would think so. And I would think in Jerry Judy, maybe you, maybe someone bit and said, I'll give you a second, but that's not enough for the Broncos. But when they couldn't get anything that they wanted out of Sutton, they moved on to shopping Judy. It's pretty obvious they're not going to get what they want out of Judy. And result, the Broncos will say that, or they won't say, but highly placed sources will tell other sources that we're not going to trade those guys now. But don't make the mistake that like, oh, yeah, we were taking calls to be polite, but we decided that uh, Sean Payton will fix it. No, they didn't get what they wanted. They wanted to shop receivers. And that is more evidence, Sandy, that this team is not going to be three wide. They're not going to play three wide. Not nearly as often. It's, no, as I mean it's, it's going to be it's going to be infrequent. It's not going to be a, a, and it was frequent in right. previous years. This Both is going to be a Fangio team that is tightening it up. High. They're going to go two tight end sets. They're going to have a power heavy. They're going to play what Sean Payton played in New Orleans, right down to I believe splitting the time with the backs. I think with Latavius Murray and Samaje Ryan, he is the exact. Now, are, are they? Is neither one of those guys is Alvin Kamara? I get that. But what you saw when it when they went their peak with Ingram and Kamara, way, that's what he's going to try to do. I'm I'm reading about complaints from people posting online mainly that P. Ryan is not Alvin Kamara, and that oh, let's say Austin Eckler is. First of all, Austin Eckler is not coming here. No. He'll never get moved within. Remember, he has the to be division. traded. They're not right. going to trade him to traded. Denver. They're not going to trade him to Broncos. Denver also has so no I know, and I understand. I like Austin Eckler too, and I understand that among running backs, only Derrick Henry at seventy-eight, Alvin Kamara at seventy-one, and Ezekiel Elliott, who just got cut down in Dallas yeah. at sixty-four, have scored more touchdowns than Austin Eckler has scored over the course of Austin Eckler's career, 2017 through 2022, and that Austin Eckler has a cap hit of under $8 million for 2023. I get all that, and I know Austin Eckler at some point wants to be paid more like Derrick Henry, whose average annual value is $12.5 million at this point. They're not, they're not getting Eckler. But I'm hearing this business about Pirine and I, I'm not saying he's Tony Pollard, but there were situations during the course of this past season in which Joe Mixon, who, to my mind, for the last four, five, six years, has been one of the best five running backs in the NFL, where he would come out, goal line situations, they mm-hmm. put P. Ryan in. Right. Uh, receiving situations, third down, P. Ryan would, would come in. And now, Part of it was to lighten the load on Joe Mixon, but part of it was that P. Ryan was developing very nicely, particularly as a pass Superior, protector, a pass protector and, and receiver as a receiver. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. No. So I mean, when he I, came into I, the game, you didn't necessarily know if you were a defense whether he'd be coming out of the backfield as a receiver or staying in to pass block because he could do both very well. I, I really do like that signing, and the, and the funny thing is, I, look, everyone 
looks at any player, tries to compare them immediately to the best possible player in the league at that position. And that's teams aren't built that way. It's why it's a salary cap league it's designed to not work that way. But can a Samaje Pirine give you the same percentage of performance that he is being paid for playing that role? I think he can. And that, in a salary cap league, is how you maximize your value. You get it. The, the Broncos don't think Samaje Pirine is Alvin Kamara in his prime. Come on. They're not doing that. No. But what they and, are looking I, at. I will criticize the Broncos yeah. for overselling their acquisitions many times in yeah. the past, but not in this case. No. They, they haven't brought him in with any kind of sense, whether it's leaked to the media or simply declared that this guy is going to be an all-pro in 2023. Right, but they believe that his skill set fits what they want to do at a number that they can afford. And, and these are the kind of things you have to do in this league to make sure you don't get behind the eight ball in the salary cap. Now, to be fair, the Saints did under Sean Payton eventually, but they did it after winning a Super Bowl, and I think the Broncos fans would probably take that trade. So that's kind of where it stands. We will go back and take a peek at the Avalanche, who are now, by the way, the hottest team in the league. We'll make sure to uh, to do that. But I want to remind you real quick that as the Avalanche are the winningest team in the league, pick a winner yourself. BurnhamLaw.com. Their personal injury attorneys have years of fighting for their clients. Fort Collins, Boulder, Westminster, Cherry Creek, Colorado Springs, even Cheyenne, the DTC, all over the front range. They have attorneys who can help you when you're injured. They'll push for you to get the maximum recovery. Either it's settlement or trial, they will try to get you the best return in the best manner in which they can do it. They'll fight for you. So when you're injured, go someplace where you can get taken care of and you know they'll get you the maximum amount for your recovery and that is Burnham Law. BurnhamLaw.com 720-845-7001 Ira Winner with our friends at Burnham Law will be back talking about the abs and of course we'll take a peek at the tournament next on My Life Sports. Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. It is Friday. It is St. Patrick's Day. The NCAA tournament is heating up, including, a, we'll touch back on in a moment, what's going on down at even a ball arena, a little bit of excitement. That's good, but we did want to pay a little bit attention to the Colorado Avalanche, who very quietly are not only in playoff position, but maybe back even in the mix, to win their division, now winners of four straight, the hottest team in the NHL, their remaining schedule and games in hand, all of a sudden means that even winning the division is no longer out of the equation. It is not, and I suppose if we really want to go bold, we could imagine the Avalanche as a number one seed in the West, six points behind Vegas with two games in hand. Not impossible. No. No. And Vegas got slaughtered by Calgary last night. Am I correct on that? Yeah, they've they've been really up and down yeah. for for a bit oh, yeah. here. And and the point about the Avalanche, and it's twenty seven games, that's the equivalent of almost one third of an entire mm-hmm. season. Yeah. Over their last twenty seven games, the Avs are now nineteen seven and three. Yeah. Vegas by so the way, yeah, seven to two pace, last night. Yes. Yeah. At that pace, they could easily win eleven more games, get to fifty wins, and that would mean at least 
at least 106 points. Now, will 106 get it done in the West? Outside chance to be a number one seed. Yeah. Uh, better than outside chance that you'd win the division with 106 mm-hmm. points. Yes. In the East, well, let me put it this way. Boston already has 107. <laughs> so getting 106 yeah. wouldn't work in the East, but in the West it might. And uh, Carolina and New Jersey are at 96, 95 respectively in the East. They'll be between 105 and 110 uh, by the end of the year, I'm guessing. Uh, but in the West, which is considerably weaker this year, than the Eastern Conference of the NHL, 50 wins and 106 points thereabouts. I, I'd, I'd like to take that into the clubhouse. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the Avs, of course, will be back in action against Detroit tomorrow to finish off that road trip. They may be able to sweep it if they take that win against Detroit. Remember, by the way, they have the easiest strength of schedule remaining in the entire NHL and... They have a home game versus Minnesota and a home game versus Dallas left. They win this game. I mean, look, win this game against Detroit. Come home and knock off, get a little revenge against Chicago. Yes. All of a sudden, now Which depending was the on. The team they lost to in January mm-hmm. right before this 27-game stretch. Now, that was when that, they said right. in 2017 and 3, listen, enough's enough. Enough's enough. We have a lot of injuries, Yes. But we can't we're be just losing better than these two guys. teams that are actively tanking. Right. And I, I think you win these next two games all of a sudden, and then you find yourself in a stretch where you're talking about a little more than a dozen left, and we'll see what happens if maybe Dallas or Minnesota slips uh, and maybe drops a game this weekend, a possibility too. They'd have caught Minnesota by now if the Wild weren't 7 0 right. 3 Absolutely. in their last Rolling. 10 games. But the Avs could find themselves really tightly in the thick of the mix by midweek when they will take on the visiting Pittsburgh Penguins. That's and right. then would give them the game with Minnesota left, the game with Dallas left, and the easiest schedule left. I mean, take care of business against Detroit and Chicago. And you may find yourself next week in an outstanding position if you're the Avalanche, even despite the injuries. And the hope is that you can get Lekkonen back for the playoffs Landeskog is skating, but as we mentioned, Eric Johnson earlier is also week, skating. Eric Johnson, who broke his ankle, is, is skating. Mm-hmm. Fairly recently broke his ankle, which is very encouraging. But there are three phases to getting back into the lineup when you're nursing a serious injury. Skating is the first step. Yep. Practicing is the second, and playing is the third. And they are very distinct. Uh, practicing does not follow within 24 to 48 hours of having completed your skating work Uh, and playing doesn't come out of practicing for a day. It's more like a week, right? Maybe longer. And that's still, you're talking about getting back on the ice and you'll maybe get six, seven minutes of ice time for a while. You're not going to be getting big time. Well, especially if you're Lance Scott. Right. Especially if you're Lance Guy. And again, I understand he's skating, and that's good news. And uh, Bednar has, has said that it's uh, Landis Scog's decision and the doctor's. I know obviously. this is a. So it's kind of out of his hands, right. which is a good thing. I, I know that this is a, um extraordinarily talented team, obviously. Uh, very deep, very, very, very talented. 
But I think Jared Bednar has done a better job at navigating this season than he did even last year. Couldn't season. agree more. And last year, when you're expected to win, okay, especially during the regular season, you're expected to win big. So they win big. Uh, they're far and away the number one seed in the West. And he finishes fifth right. for coach of the year. I would hope he'd do better than that this year. I really do. One would he, hope. That, Jim Montgomery will get it. I, I oh, understand yeah, of course. that, and he yes. should get it. Jim's a friend of ours, and he's, and he's got totally his team playing it. at a crazy right. level. Yes. Right. Uh, with a chance to set some records, right? Right. But Bednar has got to be no lower than third, to my way of thinking. And, you know, it might help his chances to be coach of the year if the Avalanche at least are able to win their division, if not finishes the number one seed in the West. Yeah. It, it might push him up maybe to second. Uh, I, I mean, I'm looking around the league and taking everything into consideration. Here's, here's according to the numbers in Vegas, the next three guys, Jim Montgomery, of course, insane yes, favorite, minus 350 ahead. to win the that Jack Adams Award. Right. Lindy Ruff of the Devils, second, plus uh, yeah, 500. That's right. Rod Brindamore of Carolina at plus uh, 1,200. Dave okay. Haxtell of the Kraken, fourth on that list. Yeah. Jared Bednar isn't even on yeah, as it stands. This list um, in, in the top at the top eight. Jared Bednar right now. Rod Brindamore is a terrific coach. Yeah. Uh, Dave Haxtell's having a good year in Seattle, but the Avalanche are having a better year than the Kraken. Bednar sitting at plus 1,800 in the very middle of the pack. Just whatever. As as Will Chamberlain once said, nobody cheers for Goliath, right? (laughs) So that's the way it goes. He did say that, among other things. He said a lot. A lot of things. Will Chamberlain had himself a lot of really fun Fridays. Hopefully you did too. And hopefully one's coming for you. This weekend, uh, how many as of well? those twenty thousand <laughs> will claim to have uh, yeah. slept with um, came on St. Patrick's Day? I wonder. I, was twenty thousand big celebration I mean, day and Will's not, I mean, some well, you you compute the average. Yeah, I mean, you have to figure out how, you know just yeah. the length of a like existence to, to pull that off. So I mean, uh, probably like a, I love Will. Some exaggeration okay. there. Some will uh, will one of those larger liberties. than life figures yes. in the history of major professional sports. Yes, and is impactful. I've made Absolutely. that argument too. Is impactful in the way the, the sport modern basketball evolved I because agree. Wilt Chamberlain I broke agree. it. <laughs> it had to change because there was no other way to do it. Go back and you look at what Nikola Jokic has done and he's passed Wilt Chamberlain's records for triple doubles which is phenomenal. But I mean, you go look at some of the numbers for Chamberlain over the course of history, you will see crazy things. And my favorite stat, it is literally my favorite stat in sports. There is one year that Wilt Chamberlain played in which he averaged more than 48 minutes a game on the floor. Because he played in overtime games, and he basically didn't come out of games. Wrap your head and around that. So He, he averaged say, more, more, he minutes more than minutes played than minutes in a game. Right. That but is an unbreakable you, record. You can do that if you play every one of the 48-minute games, OT. and you play some 53-minute games, too. Just ridiculous. Uh, it is going to be a, a fun weekend. The Az will take on Detroit on Saturday. We'll find out what they how they close that out. And of course, on Saturday and Sunday, you have the Nuggets on their back-to-back in Brooklyn. So they will have the back-to-backs there as well. And they go to the Knicks on Saturday and the Brooklyn on Sunday. As we speak, DU and CC underway in Minneapolis yep. at the Frozen Face-Off, the, frozen face-off. Uh, the NCHC Tournament. It's the semifinal round. The winner plays for the uh, tournament title. DU has already won the regular season. 
title and is 4-0 against CC. But CC has a great goaltender in Embarico, local kid. And uh, what a goaltending matchup that is between Krona and Embarico, two of the best five goaltenders in the country. So we'll find out how that one goes as well. If you missed any part of the program, you can always go to MileHighSports.com or the free Mile High Sports app. Uh, keep in mind as well, uh, if you wanted to find out a little bit more about DU as they make their run, we had David Carl on this week talking about it. So you can always go and get those on demand too. So an opportunity uh, to go ahead and check any of those out. want to thank uh, everyone at the booth. Danny Bailey off today, uh, shredding the slopes of Aspen. Uh <laughs> I can just imagine. What, Shredding oh, the slopes. Absolutely. Absolutely. That man just tears it up. So he is out. But Andrew Detmer uh, slides over from the video production to be the man in the booth today. Really, really appreciate that. And Nigel Kangethe in there working on the video side. A little bit changed up with these I met Nigel. fancy uh, boom mics we just got added. Yeah. Happy Friday to us. Happy Friday to you. I met Nigel today. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I mean, we, have, uh, we got some talent behind the glass here. And uh, I try to not go back there because, like I said, it all looks like the Helm of a nuclear submarine, and I don't want to touch anything. So I, I walk into that booth like I walk into the Louvre. My hands stay in my pockets. But thanks to Andrew and Nigel. Thanks to Justin Adams from CBS Colorado, CBS News. Check him out at Justin Adams TV on Twitter. That'll do it for us. Have a wonderful and safe weekend, a wonderful St. Patrick's Day. We will be back tomorrow. Thanks for sticking with us for this first week. We're delighted to be back. You can follow me on Twitter if you like it, S-D-R-O-T-A-R, and we'll put together our post-show video momentarily. You can find that at Mile High Sports. So for Sandy, I'm Sean. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Happy weekend. Stay safe. Have fun. And we'll see you Monday right here on Mile High Sports. Bye.